Hello everyone and welcome to On The Mend. I'm Matt Willis and in this series I'm going to be taking a look into the world of mental health, addiction and recovery and how people get through hard times. My guest today is the fitness expert, inspirational speaker and entrepreneur Tyrone Brennan. Tyrone is an author, yogi, personal trainer, inspirational speaker and the founder of Be The Fittest. His mission is to empower people to live a happier, healthier life through exercise and well-being. In this episode, we talk about how he found his love for yoga, why he's so passionate about it, and how it can aid recovery, both physically and mentally. He's a really great guy. I think you're going to love it. Let's go. Hey, Tyrone. How are you today? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really happy you're here, man. I'm really happy you're here. My wife interviewed you. And um, she came home and said, you've got to get Tyrone on your podcast. And she couldn't stop talking about this hollow back um, headstand that you just did. I just want to let people know, this is like a headstand. So you're leaning backwards and your feet are over the top of your head. Like it's, it's, it looks insane. It looks like something you would have to work towards like for a couple of hours to limber yourself up. You just popped into it in the middle of the studio, in the middle of the, uh, of the interview. And she was blown away. She's like... But also she just really enjoyed chatting to you and kind of what you're about. And um, since then, I've been checking you out, man. And I'm very, very pleased to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming in. No, thank you so much, man. You know, it's funny with the, the hollow back. She was like, what is this hollow back headstand? And then she was like, I want to see it. And I was like, now? And she was like, yeah. Literally <laughs> in the space of the studio, everyone had their cameras out. I just bust out like the hollow back headstand. And I was like, you're going to do it next. And she was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's obsessed with it. She keeps looking at it going, right, how do I get there? No, we're going to get and it. We're going to get it. Yeah. All three of us, we'll, we'll get it all together. <laughs> okay, great. You're on. You're on. You're on. There we go. Watch out on Instagram. We'll be there. Tyrone, I've heard you say in another interview I was listening to, that without fitness, you'll be in prison or dead. You know, and I've, I've looked into your story. How, how did you come to that kind of thinking? Do you know, it was, it was very simple, you know, like when you're at a certain age in life and you think, you know, this is what life is about and you don't really see outside of what you, you know or outside of what you've grown up in or outside of, you know, what life could be, you think that that's your life. And yeah. it's only when you step out of that and you look from hindsight on, wow, like this is where I was going, you know, this is what my life was going to be. And when other people tell you, you know, you were going down a very slippery slope if it wasn't for fitness or if it wasn't for certain things within your life that you were able to try and change things around, you would legit be like in dead or in jail. And these things aren't just, oh, like it would have happened. Like I was close to, had situations where that could have been the case, getting in trouble with police. Like that was just normal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it would have been that. And it was just going to get worse and worse and worse to the point at that time in my life, when you have no care, no hope for anything, you don't have any respect for anyone. You don't have any respect for yourself. And, you know, you just do not care for anything. You just don't care. That is when things become dangerous. And that's where I was at that point of my life. So how old were you when you when you say this was going on? This was happening when I was around, like, sort of like 21, I hit, like, a, a real sort of part of my life where I was lost in life and, you know, things had hit. You know, it's, it's told where, you know, I had nobody sort of, like, here you know, my family, and remember my mum came over from the Philippines and she came over here on holiday and she didn't go back to her country and she ended up, you know, having my sister, having myself and we had to, you know, fend for ourselves. You know, when I was about 21 years old, they both had gone, like my sister was, you know, studying somewhere else. My mum had left with her partner at the time and so I didn't have anyone. And, you know, the people that I did have were the people that I grew up with who were 
living their life through, you know, their community and the culture and environment that they grew up in. Yeah. And that's what we were surrounded ourselves in. And at that point, I was upset with life. You know, you're struck, you're finding who you are. Like at that age of 21, you know, you get people that, that you look at nowadays on social media and people are lucky that they have so many tools to figure out what they want. But when I was growing up, I didn't know. I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do. I didn't know why I was here. I didn't know who I could trust, who I couldn't trust. You know, there was no purpose to anything. You don't know what you're good at. You don't know what you're not good at. You've had people telling you that you're going to be a failure in life. It's, it's just so much at a time and you're so vulnerable that I'd made choices in my life that were, that wasn't good. And, you know, that led me into certain situations to where I was in probably like the darkest place of my life, for sure. I can imagine that I've been in these kind of situations myself where you can get told you're something or you can get told that that is your life and you can kind of get, um, and you can't see a way out, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and it's not like it's easier to just settle into that life. It is the only option, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, it takes quite a kind of, um, a big bold move to kind of move out of that kind of lifestyle. When did you decide and what was kind of the moment that you went, right, okay, I need to change my life? When I was growing up and I got into a lot of trouble, I remember being in a police cell and like they were telling me, Ty, my solicitor at the time was like, Ty, you know what, you're gonna get 15 years to life. And I was like, what? Whoa. Like I was like, huh? Like what have I done? I haven't killed no one, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But you know, what they were trying to take me for was you know, got worse, 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 worse. And then, you know, it got to the point where I sacked him. I had another barrister come in, said same thing. And it got to the point I was like, damn, this may be my reality. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being around one guy who was so respected in in there and nobody could tell him what to do. Like this guy was, you know, he was already riding like some 25 years um, type of thing. And he was saying, do you know what, Ty, like you're a smart guy. Like why are you, why are you even in this position? Don't be afraid of work. Don't be afraid of of following your dreams. He was like, I'm only here because I only know how to do this. You know, you're smarter than that. Go and do something with your life. Do something positive. I know you can do something. And I remember at that moment, he was the first like male figure. Mm. Yeah, I never had a dad figure. I never had no guidance. I didn't have anyone who, of authority to tell me, do this, do that. He was the first person who was so respected that believed in me. And he didn't even really know me like that. And the fire that he gave me and the confidence that he gave me, yeah, was like mind blowing. And I was like, wow, if he tells me and nobody can even speak to this guy, then I'm gonna definitely do something. And that's when I remember thinking, you know what, there's hope. If this person can believe in me and I know in myself, I'm not gonna be a failure in life and I'm not gonna be a person that's just gonna let me become, you know, another victim to what the culture will make you or what society tells you you should be. I wanted to make that change. And from then on, mentally, the first step was mentally. I couldn't physically do anything, but mentally, you know, I wanted to make that change. I think you're so right. I mean, some people take, like, especially I find young men, they need so little encouragement, but that little bit of encouragement can go such a long way, you know? And I find that, you know, when I was young, there was no, none of that, you know, there was none of that. You can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. I mean, I've got kids now. And I tell them that shit all the time, you know, but I believe it, you know, when I was young, I didn't believe that because I never got told it. And we needed so little encouragement, but at any opportunity to give a young person that encouragement can literally change the course of their life. And that's all it is, you know, like growing up, you, you're so like, you're like a sponge, right? You yeah. take in so much 
And normally what's so defeating is that uh, a lot of the stuff that, you know, when I was growing up, the sponge that I was taking in was like negativity. You know, if you just have that little sprinkle of people around you that can be like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. Like, you look at you in your eyes and say, you can be whatever you want to be. Follow mm. your dreams, you know, do it. My mum was very adamant on me, you know, just from the way that she grew up in going to school, getting an education, you know, getting a good education. So you had to do amazing in maths, English, all of that, to then go get a good job and then, you know, live a normal life. Yeah. And so many people from, you know, those traditions or, you know, our parents from those ages, that's the way that it was, mm. you know. And so if you had a dream to, you know, have your own business or be a, a footballer or, or this, that or the third, it was like tough. And, you know, because my mum came from there and, and, and came to UK, you know, my mum used to work so hard. I remember going to like cleaning jobs with her, like getting like eviction notices through the door. Like, I just remember her just working, working, working just to provide for us and for us to have a, a shelter over our head. Yeah. And I saw that we had like, you know, nothing growing up. It was it was tough. So she probably didn't ever think it was even possible for these things to happen. She couldn't hardly even speak the language of English when she came to the country. So, yeah. you know, it had to start from scratch, like literally like from nothing. So I'm, I'm kind of going back to your life, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, right, you're in a really dark place, right? And everything seems negative. And then something switches, right? And you find, was it exercise and training and that connection between kind of physical health and mental health that changed or was it something else? Yeah, so from a very young age, I remember always loving fitness, loving moving the body you know i remember coming home from school and looking at magazines in the shops and seeing like these martial arts magazines or bodybuilding magazines and just seeing you know the physiques and seeing like people like bruce lee you know how they train and yeah. doing like a push-up and i was just always when i was like six years old i wanted to go to china and you know train with the shaolin monks and i yeah, remember yeah. I used to say to mom i want to go over there she thought this boy's bonkers yeah and then as soon as i was able to go to the gym i started training learning about like moving my own body weight doing push-ups you know going learning basic gym exercises and that was something that I had a passion for and in school I wasn't that academically good so I was you know good at art I was creative with that but I was also loving like PE and those different you know yeah. active subjects that you could do it wasn't necessarily always just writing or, or, or learning numbers for me it was so much you know into sport and into fitness yeah. and you know, when I was about 16, 14 to 16 years old, I started like training like, you know, hard. I remember saving up as much money as I could. And at that time, when I was like 15, 16, I had no money. So I remember I had to, you know, cut friends' hairs. So I remember I bought these clippers and I started trimming my friends' hairs for like, you know, five pounds. And I ended up saving money enough to get like a bench from Argos, which cost about 35 pounds. Yeah. And I remember I set that up and I was able to do some exercises from home. Yeah. And that was the first time that I was able to start learning how to train. And I had that in me all the way through to those dark places. And I remember, you know, the only outlet that I had at the time was me to have, you know, the hour, two hours in the gym. You know, I didn't even do yoga at that time. It was just about training and, and, and releasing through exercise that I felt was, you know, so important for my mental health at that time. Because if you check it, right, when I was in that situation of time, I literally was at a point where I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I was surrounded in a place where everything was just dark. Everything was, was just negative. You know, I, I was away from home. 
I didn't have people uh, around me to support me. You know, I didn't know what the, my future was going to hold. You know, I had people there that were, you know, around me that were like, murderers or people on drugs or or you know people that were you know like ready to commit suicide and that's the people that were around me at that time yeah and you know that's what that's that's what life was was looking like and when you're surrounded by that you become a victim of that you become you know if you, people find that easy way out for them you know why don't i just follow the same yeah, you yeah. know pattern why not just go that, down that same path so you know things were things were like super tough at that time for me because I was so young at that position and I had to go through so much and I remember just thinking that my life is 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 finished and and you know I didn't know whether I wanted to carry on or not yeah so what what um I mean what changed what 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 was the when was the moment that you went you know what no my life is not going to be this because it's so hard isn't it like when you're um you are a you are a creation of your surroundings in a way, mm -hmm. you know, and like they say you're, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, you know, so like you got to pick those people wisely, you know, but, um, which I think is very true, you know, because when I was in active addiction, everyone I hung around with was drug addicts, you know, and alcoholics. And, that, and that's what I, what I did, you know, and then when I got clean and sober, I realized I had nothing in common with these people apart from taking drugs and drinking, you know, and that was all I did. And then I had to change my whole life and everyone I hung around with, you know, and, and it was really hard because it was, that's all I knew, you know, and then, um, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel adequate in these other places. You know, I felt like I belonged in this shithole, mm. you know, like, mm. and, um, and these, and these people that I was interacting with, I didn't feel good enough to be there, you know? So it's, um, it's a really hard shift, you know? So what was that, what was that shift like? You know, what, I, what was... I remember, you know, one time yeah, in this situation, I was on my hands and knees, yeah? And I remember I was, I was, I was crying, yeah? I was crying. And I remember that was probably one of my darkest points because I was, I was, I was crying and I was praying to God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, help me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I promise, like, I will make something of myself, you know, I'll try and be the best human that I can be. Yeah. But help me. Like, being on your hands and your knees, like, praying. Like, yeah, yeah. you have nothing else on the table. Like, it's just you and you're talking to God. Yeah. 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 Whether you believe in God or you don't, you're talking to God. You're like, saying help me this is and a I'm, moment of surrender and i i was surrendering yeah. and i was yeah. like help me when i'm telling you i was crying i'm not a yeah, crier yeah. like i don't just cry but i was yeah. crying and the only reason i feel i did that was because there was something inside of me that said ty do you know what this isn't for you yeah there is a future out there for you there's a light there that you yeah. can go to follow that light and i remember praying and i remember i used to look outside and I remember seeing the sky yeah and I remember looking at that sky and the sky used to talk to me it used to tell me like yeah it's gonna be okay you know and I used to look at it and be like and it was not talking to me physically but talking to me with feelings yeah yeah and said to me do you know like there's more out there for you mm. you know and there was these little moments that I'd have in life and it was like this isn't for you. Like you can do something. And I remember being at that time when I was surrendering on my hands and knees and I was praying and there was, that was what I was hanging on to. And I was praying, just praying, just praying, help me like to, to, you know, get out of this and for me to change my life around. And it comes from inside here. 
yeah. amount of people that say, oh, do you know what, like, you know, and I'm thankful to every single person that has tried to help me. But if inside of here, if there's nothing here, yeah, it's not going to happen. There has yeah. to be something inside of you. Yeah? A belief. A belief. Yeah. yeah. You know, a, a, a hope. Mm. You know, I remember like when I, I remember being in that situation and I was like, what is it? And it's, it, it was hope. Yeah. Like what was hope? It was me figuring out, holding on to something. Yeah. Believing that there could be something there. Yeah, yeah. And going for it. Yeah, man. And that that's so that's so that's so important, isn't it? Because um, I think we can see, you know, we can so easily be be dragged into the victim mentality of like, oh well, you know, this is the way it is. Everything's fucked. You know, like um, you would you would act the same if you'd had the life I'd had. All this kind of stuff. But actually. None of that is true, you know. It just takes what it just takes action. That's right? right, and that's what it's about. It's about action, and that comes from deep inside you, right? Deep inside, and yeah. you know what? Unfortunately, you know, I, like I've got friends that that are heavily addicted in drugs now to the point where, you know, and I all the time when I see them, and I remember I was I was, I was you know in old school one day, and I was I was walking to my car, and I saw one guy, and he was looking at me. And I was like, who's this guy looking at me? And I walked past and he's still looking at me. And he walked past, still looking at me. And he had a big beard, looked like he was homeless. And I looked at him and he called my name, said Tyrone. And I turned around and I looked in his eyes. And you know, eyes never change. Yeah, Your yeah. facial features can change. You can get fat, you can get skinny, you can grow a beard, you can have long hair. But the eyes always stay the same. Yeah. And I looked at him and he was my friend wow. from back in the day. And I said, bro, what happened? And he was like... I'm addicted to crack, bro. Like yeah. this is this is my life, and I was talking. And he was one of the most cleverest in school. And I said, but he was the most cleverest in school. He's like, yeah, but you know what? Like it's hard. And I said, I said to him, bro, you know what? You don't need to do this. You can come out of it if you want. And he looked at me and he said, Ty, I love it. And you know that made me realize as well. Like you know there are some people who are in situations that they are happy where they are, and it's unfortunate to say, mm. but some people it's, it have, has to have some timing. To be like, you know, I've had enough. And yeah. some people, it's just not their time. And so if they don't want to stop, and sometimes you have to just force them out or try to do your best. But like when people don't want it, it's so hard. I could have tried a hundred times to try and get him out of that situation. Yeah. But I know that every single time, like he loves it so much that he's just going to want to keep on going back. There has to be some sort of trigger or some something to make you stop. We talk a lot on this show about rock bottoms and kind of like... And you talk about your time on your knees crying as kind of being uh, a moment of surrender, you know, which I've which I've had multiple times in my life, you know, where I've just gone, I have no, nothing else to give, you know, I need some help, you know, and help was given to me. But it always takes action from the person, you know, they have to be ready and they have to kind of want that, you know, and it's so hard, like you're talking about your friend, I've got lots of people who I, I would love to help, you know, and I just can't, you know, because they just won't take it, they won't do it. You know, and it's like, it's so hard because you're like, I don't want to leave you because you're going to, you know, you're going further down a line, which is destructive. It's worse and worse. Yeah, it's yeah. worse and worse. But eventually, hopefully, there's two ways out. One, you find the hope and you find the strength and you find something that can drive you in a different direction or you die. That's unfortunately the horrible realisation of it. Yeah. You know? But for you, it was um, there was a moment of change, right? And since getting clean and sober, I found exercise, you know, and I found training and it gave me something which I never thought it would. It gave me purpose. It gave me direction. It gave me structure. I could see myself improving, you know, at something which I didn't ever think I ever would. I didn't think that was for me, you know, and um, 
and it gave me something. How important do you think it is to keep yourself physically healthy? For me, it was, like I said, you know, during those times when I was on my hands and my knees, yeah, the only things that I would look forward to during that time and the only things that would help me to get through it was through fitness. Yeah. You know, through me being able to go to the gym and, and, and clock out and, you know, for me, that was like a, a, a meditation for me, even though I didn't know about meditation at that time. Yeah. And at that moment, I didn't know how important it was for me. Only looking in hindsight, I realised, wow, that is something there that really helped me, you know, throughout the whole time. And it's been something that stayed with me. And when I was on my hands and my knees and I prayed to God, that's when things started to sort of like change around. And like I started figuring out, all right, cool. Like, what do I do in my life? You know, what is my purpose? What 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 is it that you know, will make me wake up and tick and, and, and give me a thrive for life. Yeah. And, you know, I started thinking about, all right, cool, I've always loved fitness. And people used to always say to me, Ty, you, uh, you'd you be an amazing sort of like personal trainer. Mm. And I had never in a million years would have ever thought about being a personal trainer. But I used to love it. I used to enjoy it. I used to love being around people, like seeing people progress, smiling, yeah. laughing, cracking joke, and, and working on something to to help build you up whether it's confidence wise or getting a, even just a simple routine yeah, yeah you know i used to love it and you know that's when i decided you know i wanted to you know start my own business in health and fitness and that was the first time that i started thinking you know what that light that i used to see and that, that purpose that i used to see and for me to be able to you know do something where i can help people mm. yeah was something that was a real sort of like fascinating you know compelling idea to me yeah. And I wanted to run with that because I knew how much it helped me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so it almost became something bigger than yourself in a way. You know, it was, it was you, but it was also about, about, about help, about getting fulfillment through other people. My, yeah, my, 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 my brand, you know, because I initially like was thinking, oh, maybe I need to start my, my business and be like a, have like a, a blog you know, like, and I chose the name Be The Fittest, yeah, as 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 the name of what my brand was going to be. Whether it was personal training, whether it was a blog. And then I, with the blog, I was like, it's cool, but I don't get that fulfillment of of helping people. Yeah. And I thought, maybe I'm going to start Be The Fittest. And I had the tagline underneath that, inspiration for all. And what yeah. I wanted to do was inspire people and help them. And, you know, my reward was getting that fulfillment from seeing people change their life around. Yeah. So when people approach me now for like training or whether it's yoga, I tell them like, you know, this isn't just me, you just paying me for sessions or me just doing this. This is me helping you to literally like try and change your life around, try and change the way that you think, the way that you appreciate your body, the way that you move your body and the way that you carry the schedule on. And then for you to then pass it down to your kids for them to understand that because there's only very few things in life here yeah, that we as as humans you know that that doesn't really you know we can all do it ourselves that doesn't really take too much other than our time and for us to be able to get up and do it that has so much benefits physically and mentally and that we can all do yeah yeah man i mean i was listening to um i was obsessed with a guy called peter atia and he said there is nothing on earth not a pill we can give you that gives you 10% of what exercise can do for you. Like exactly. In health, in exactly. health and, and wellness and longevity, there's nothing out there. Because even it's been proven now that nutrition isn't as important. You know, it is important, don't get me wrong, but like there's nothing on earth that can make you, um, that can improve your lifespan, your health span as important as exercise. You know, and I think that's, um, 
And we forget that, right? Because we see that as sometimes a luxury or something that, um, you know, and we can get into these habit, these these kind of mentalities going, oh, I'm too busy to work out, I'm too busy, you know. But for me, if I don't do these things, my life starts to spiral out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I need to kind of do these things for myself because when I put this time in for myself, be it an hour or five, six times a week or whatever, I mean, and that's not everybody, but that's what I do. You know, if I do that, I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. I'm a better colleague. You know, I'm, I'm all these things, you know, so it's, um, it kind of really helps me, you know. Um, and I remember being in, in rehab and kind of, um, and there was a, once a week we'd had to go to this park with this guy from the rehab and and we went to this like local park and he made us play some kind of game like i think the first time we played rounders i was like you got a fucking bunch of drug addicts on the field playing <laughs> rounders. rounders i was like what is this but i loved it yeah, you know, yeah something yeah. about it was so fun then we played like football and we played like and um, we did like these like weird kind of like shuttle races and things like this yeah, and yeah. what he was doing was making us be active, active. and like being in our bodies and seeing that our body was still capable of doing something mm. that wasn't what we thought it was, you know, mm. and it wasn't about making us work out. It was about kind of getting ourselves moving, into our physical mo body. Yeah, moving and, 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 and almost like as well, like, you know, bringing up that inner child in us here yeah, that we yeah. used to yeah. you know, either hate or used to love, yeah, yeah. you know, but saying that you can do it and, and being able to do it. And, you know, it brings back almost like a comfort. When I think about rounders, yeah, I think about, oh my gosh, like, you know, I just think about being a kid playing yeah, yeah. around us, but yeah, yeah. it's so fun. Absolutely. And it, yeah. it brings I a couldn't believe he was doing it. I was like, you got a fucking bunch of fucking drug addicts in a field and you're making us play rounders. I was so cross at him, but then I loved it. You the loved best it. You like, next week, my... same time. Next yeah, week. exactly. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll field. I don't care. You know, it was so, um, it was so important, you know, um, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I feel like the benefits of exercise I could bang on about for ages, but then, mm. you know, there's people out there who are, you know, maybe listening to this, who are in a dark place, who are in a kind of like a place where they can't see that kind of light, you know, they can't see that hope yet. And we're telling them in some way to get up and do something, you know, like mm -hmm. the last thing someone wants to hear is go for a fucking run. Yeah, yeah, They're like, sure. nah, mate, you don't, you don't get my life or whatever, you know? So what what would you say to someone like that you know what would you say why they should do you know what for me you know I've, I've been in situations and spoke to people that have been that are in dark places at that time or under extreme stress or under certain pressures in life you know whether it's work relationships family whatever it could be and you tell them oh why don't you go for a workout and they don't have it they think they don't have it in them yeah to work out they think oh that's the like like you said that's the last thing i want to do but as soon as you make it you know like all right you don't have to go for an hour you can yeah. literally do 10 minutes five minutes of something yeah, yeah it will make you feel that much better yeah, yeah and you know what my advice would be to somebody that's that's going through that is think about you know what your favorite sort of like exercise sport you know even if you were to go and talk to a friend and you both do it together yeah do something and just have a timer on five. I guarantee if you do it for five minutes, you'll be like, you know, extend that timer. Let's just go for yeah. five more minutes, yeah, yeah. 10 minutes, whatever you're doing, whether it's singing, dancing, yeah. you could put on some music and just dance. Yeah, yeah. Feel free and just get your body moving. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself active. Just move around. Even like you hear people saying, you know, just go for a walk. How much walking just clears your mind. It is like, 
Things that we take for granted so much that can be so beneficial and it doesn't require a lot. So when you're in those places, don't make your mind think, I'm going to have to go for an hour's grueling, tough workout that I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to plan it. Just say, you know, I want to do something simple, something that I like, whether it's dancing, whether it's push-ups, whether it's squats, whether it's ab work or, you know, speaking to a friend and saying, let's just do something together, you know, playing rounders, whatever it could be. Yeah, know that it is so beneficial for you. And once you just get that little insight of what it can be like, like you said, you were like, next week I'm here. You say, yeah, tomorrow yeah. I want to do the same thing. And then next thing you know, subconsciously, you just created a habit in your schedule. Yeah. Then after after that day, you say, okay, cool. Next week I want to do again, Monday and Tuesday or Monday, Wednesday. Might do Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Mm. And next thing you know, you're creating that schedule, which helps gives you purpose and creating schedule and creating good habits you know and once you start getting those effects of, of exercising and feeling good that's when that magic happens yeah. yeah yeah definitely so i know you're massively into yoga you know you're the second guest that we've had on that's been talking about yoga we we're talking to like a Raphael Rowe who was in wrongly committed for a crime and was in jail for 12 years and he found yoga in his cell you know, and um, and it changed his life. You know, and it, like it really kind of benefited him in a massive way. You know, and um, I've I've dipped into yoga every now and again. You know, and I know lots of people in recovery who have found yoga, and it's been really beneficial for them, especially people who find the word meditation just like meh. You know, like not a chance. You know, like something about yoga which clicks with people. You know, what was it? How did you find yoga, and what was it that it gave you? So the first time. You know, with yoga was you see the time when I was on my hands and knees. Yeah, yeah. It was during that dark place. My yeah. cousin came to to see me once, and she gave me this book. Yeah. On on yoga, and I remember a book on yoga. She was like, "Ty, just try it. Like you did. You, like there's anything. They're throwing anything at me to try and help myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I needed to do something. And I remember trying. I looked at it and I said, "Oh, like cool. Like I'll try some of this stuff." But I didn't understand any of the words. Yeah, yeah. Vinyasa. What does that mean? You know, like. All the words, you know, pranayama, I didn't know what you're talking about, you know, yeah. what the hell is, is, you know, these moves, what is going on? I was just yeah. confused. So I was just looking at pictures. I said, oh, I'll try a couple of these stretches, a couple of that stretches. And so when things aren't broken down to a person that doesn't know about yoga and you're talking about asana, you're talking about, you know, different breathing techniques and you just different vinyasas and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. So I just tried it, just started a couple of stretches and I ended up just throwing it to the back of the pole. Yeah. And what's funny is that, you know, years after, when I started my business and, you know, I started getting into yoga, I remember I was like researching and the, re the way I got into it was my client, he was training for the Olympics and he had to get more flexible and I was like, he was like, Ty, how do I get more flexible? And I was like, bro, I don't even know, we've got to do yoga. And he said, I'm not going to yoga. Like, he's like maybe like seven foot you know muscles black guys like, i'm not going to yoga by myself i was like bro i'm gonna he said only way i'm gonna go is if you come with me i said deal <laughs> we both signed up to like a 40 pound like all month access yeah, that yeah. thing, and we went to every single class and you know going to those classes there's i didn't know that there was different types of yoga yeah, yeah. there's many different variations of yoga yeah, yeah. and I, it's about finding the right one for you and i remember the day that he didn't want to go I said, I'm going to go. This Ashtanga thing sounds amazing, whatever it is. Don't know what this means, but I'm going. I remember being in there 
And little did I know, yeah, it was like the hardest Ashtanga class I could have gone to. Right. And I went in there with water. The teacher came to me and he was like, no water's allowed. And I was like, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then I, and I put the water down next to my mat. I ended up spilling the water, went everywhere. And he just looked at me like, disgrace. <laughs> and then I remember there was this little Chinese lady that was opposite me. He said this move, like he talks in Sanskrit. And then he went into this move and she jumped her legs around her arms, wrapped it around and I was like, what the hell is going on, yeah? But you need to remember, I came from a very strength-based fitness, you know, path. So I thought I was okay to do this. And when I saw yeah. this little lady doing all these moves, I was blown away. I could not do anything stiff, heavy, didn't know what was going on. Then it got to the headstand bit. I said, I've got the headstand and I, I know I can do the headstand. Yeah. She went up into headstand. The teacher said 25 breaths, which I thought he meant seconds. I said, I've got this. Went up, he was counting like this. One. Two. By about three, <laughs> You're I was like shaking. <laughs> Came down, I swear, I looked at the Chinese lady, she started laughing. I said, oh my gosh, my ego was playing up. Yeah, yeah. After that, the next day, I came back to him, I said, I want to learn. And he said, all right, cool, he taught me. And I practiced for three years straight every day. Wow. From that, from that point. And during that three years, I was doing a lot of research on yoga and YouTube. And I came across this teacher, John Scott. And I was like, this guy's amazing. I want to go to one of the retreats. Like, I was learning a lot through him just through YouTube. Yeah. As well as seeing my teacher in London and just learning, learning, learning like a sponge. I was soaking everything in. And I really wanted to, to, to train with this guy, go to a teacher training and, and understand. Because I just loved the way that he flowed his, you know, methodology behind the way yoga should be and trying to translate that into normal life I really loved and I remember thinking I've got this yoga book from back in the day let me go try and find it and I remember searching for for ages eventually I found it and I remember looking at the book and the same author who was on that book is the same guy who I found on YouTube wow who I really wanted to go and meet and I was like this book was given to me like Maybe like seven years before. Yeah, planted some seed. Planted a seed, seed and seed. I came back to the same guy wow. on YouTube and it resonated. Yeah. And that's how that's how it eventually came. And what's even more crazy, right? I remember thinking when I was around like seven or eight years old, I remember going to a friend's house and his dad was like a hippie yoga guy. And I remember him saying to us, and this only resonated with me like a couple months ago and it came, something triggered it and it came, the memory came. And he was making us do headstands against the wall when I was about six or seven. And I remember so being there and feeling so amazed at doing, like being upside down. He was talking to us about breathing. And so I feel like it's always been there in my life. Yeah. And after that time on the hands and knees, you know, it came apparent and I started practicing. And at three years, no stopping, like two hours practice a day. Wow. And, you know... I didn't know what it was. I was stiff. I couldn't touch my toes to the point where after six months, people thought I'd been practicing for like 10 years. And once you start getting that physical practice, that's not even a magical bit. That's just like the physical being strong and trying to be fit, you know, but finding the internal side of the yoga is where that magic happens. And that only happens once you're able to practice and not having to think so much about those physical moves. Right. A lot of people, they get to yoga and if you're a beginner, you're concentrating so much on the moves, which is a form of meditation. Yep. Yeah. You have a word in, in you know, the namas and yamas and the the, the, the seven limbs, the eight limbs of, of, of yoga, um, you know, the rana, which is meditation. 
right? Yeah? And you have to concentrate and meditate. Dhyana and um, Dharana, and these are meditation and concentration. So when you're concentrating on these moves, the physical moves, you are concentrating and meditating on those at the same time. And yeah. that's, even though you don't know it, that's a part of, you know, the eight limbs of yoga. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's getting you out of your own head, right? It's um like like for me, I found that with um with any kind of breathing exercise I do, because um like I tried to like when I first heard the word meditation, I was like, well, so I just sit there and think of nothing. I was like, I couldn't do it. I, like, everything in my head was going all over the place. But once I focused on my breath and all I had to do was that, I was like, oh, something. I understood something, and I was like, and you know, and thoughts happen, they come and go, you know, but mm. you just return to the breath. And it was um it was a game changer for me. So I think that's the thing that you're. T so so when you, when you're saying that the magic happens when you, when um it becomes internal. Mm -hmm. What what is that? What is that? So mean? so basically, like I said at the beginning of my practice, I used to really focus on on getting uh, postures, which is called asana. Correct. Yeah. So getting those postures right was 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 the main thing. But once you start understanding and you're able to flow and not think about you know what you're doing. Yeah. Then you're able to concentrate on your breath. Yeah. Now, when you practice yoga, and at that time I was practicing Ashtanga yoga, and with Ashtanga yoga, you know, it's a set sequence that you do all the time. Yeah. So what that does is, you know, even though you might get bored over doing it for three years every day, it creates, you know, that habit of yeah. flowing. But because you memorize the practice, you just on the back of the head, you know what's coming next. Yeah. yeah. So you can then concentrate on your breath. Right. And when you're breathing in meditation, you're focusing on your breath, right? Thoughts come and go, but then you return back to the breath. What yoga is, is that same meditation, like the word asana, yeah, in yoga means the posture. Right. Yeah, but the original word asana means seat. Yeah, you see when you sit down and you meditate? Yep. It's the same, that's what asana originally means. Right. So the original yoga is, is, is meditation. Right. But because people can't sit down and meditate for so long, it's such a hard thing to do. They brought meditation to a physical practice. Hmm. So people say that yoga is a moving meditation. That's what it is. So the magic happens when you focus on your breath. So every asana, when you inhale, bring your hands over the head, you breathe. When you exhale, you breathe. When yeah. you jump back, go into chaturanga, you breathe, inhale, exhale. And you're practicing for like two hours just breathing. Yeah. And you switch off from everything else and you just focus on your breath. Yeah. And that's when the magic happens. So during those three years, you must have seen a change in your mental state. Oh, my mental state. That's when I changed the most. If you talk yeah. about, you know, the correlation between my business growth and my human growth as a person, you know, the time when I was able to just be happy with yeah. myself that time was the best time. Wow. It was the most magical, amazing, best time. And the reason, like, not to say it's not now, but when you know from hindsight, like how you were before to then, yeah, nothing touches it. Yeah, man. Well, you've convinced me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to. No, no, no. no I'm going to. Hello back here, Stan. Yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll be there, bro. I'll be there. You know, um, you know, people in recovery um, of, of many different kinds um, can get kind of stuck in a, in a kind of mindset of regret and kind of, um, and resentment, you know, and that's a really hard thing to kind of get out of, you know, it kind of takes a bit of work. Like I've done lots of work on that, especially resentment, you know, kind of blaming other people, kind of like having these things that 
I could never let go of. I liked having them, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, and I felt like it put fire in my belly, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of like fuck you, I'm gonna fucking prove you wrong, yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know. But actually, that's not healthy, <laughs> you know. And actually, when I when I was able to let that stuff go, better things, things came happen. into my life, right? But um, and that's really hard, you know. So, um, do you have regrets? about your life and if so how do you deal with those so you know as a human you know for me you know having regrets having worry you know having resentment all of these things you know is is quite a natural sort of like human nature sort of like tendency to mm. to to create habit to start always manifesting inside of you to yeah. it becomes quite normal and i definitely had have so many regrets i've got so many regrets that I used to look back at the past and I, it used to make me anxious. It used to make me worry. Yeah. You know, I used to think, oh my gosh, like that's happened. Like why, why now? And you start questioning now, then you start looking to the future mm. and then it starts creating a whole whirlwind of different emotions Absolutely. and yeah, thoughts yeah. that you can't change, mm. you know? So, you know, and, and the biggest thing what it does is, is create worry. Yeah, you, you end up worrying yeah. a lot, right? And, yeah, yeah. and that's the biggest thing that like, you start creating worry that then leads to stress unnecessarily because you, you regret things or you just look in the past for things. And for me, you know, I used to do that a lot and I just felt like more and more weight going on my shoulders. And I when I do my meditations on like my workout with Tight Hub, you know, I have these different subjects and sometimes it's about like resentment or it's about regret. And, you know, I remember talking about it and, and having a story saying that you know, if you imagine walking with like a backpack and every single time you thought about resentment, regret, you know, or, or you know, have some sort of worry or stress, you know, you put, you know, a, a big stone with the words resentment or the words regret in that backpack. Over a week, the backpack gets heavier. Yeah. Over two weeks, that backpacks get heavier. If you think about it, you do that for years. Yeah, man. That backpack, you are no longer going to be able to walk forward yeah. with that backpack. So what's the only thing you can do? You've got to just let it go. Yeah. Once you let that backpack go, it's got all of those stones in it. Yeah. You're flying forward. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? You ain't got yeah, no yeah. stress on you. You ain't got no resent. Like, it's all gone. You've left that behind. Mm. And that's what I try and visualise when I start getting those feelings. And I remember when I was practising, you know, it was okay. Yeah. I could look at anything that would happen and it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. I remember stressing over my business, stressing over this, stressing over that. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, man. You know, as long as you're happy inside of you, you know, you've got a family, you've got loved ones, you know, all of us are going to face trial and tribulations in life. But until then, it's okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like because um we we do have that power to to move forward. But when we live in that world of regret and resentment and shit and like that, you know, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, it's so fucking impossible to kind of to get kind of back into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's tough. I found exercise in in recovery, and um and I've taken it to extremes at times. You know, like and and um I'm kind of trying to find some kind of healthy balance with it now. But do you? Do you find um, clients who come to you um, in in kind of recovery from something mm-hmm. and kind of needing some kind of yeah. guidance? It's, it's it's really surprising to see how many people, right? They they come to fitness and they come to me because they feel like they may have had some sort of you know addiction. 
they may have had some sort of eating disorder. They yeah. may have had some sort of trauma that they've gone through and they come to fitness because they feel like, you know, it may be a way out. And what I've noticed is that, you know, people can very easily use fitness in a way to make it a new addiction. Yeah. Make fitness a way for them to stop having, you know, eating disorder. Make yeah, fitness yeah. to be a cover up for the trauma that they've gone through. Yeah. You know, using that fuel to fire and just being able to just like, you know, just hammer the body because, you know, you, you're in so much sort of like thought of, of, of the trauma that you went through. Yeah. And as much as I accept that and I, I love that because at least they're off the things that they may be addicted to or Absolutely. off the things, it's, it's, it's a good way. But there is a but there and people may agree or disagree with me, but it's, it's, it's very much debatable for opinion. For me, it's, it's about finding that balance because in health and fitness, there is a fine line between being overly obsessive yeah, yeah. and topping that edge to then being destructive. Yeah, you know, like having that fine line of being able to be. Like, I love fitness to the point of it. When it starts getting obsessive, then it can be start becoming self-destructive towards you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, some people go deep into that to the point where people that you know may start taking, you know, supplements or steroids or you know yeah. things to to enhance even more or you know go in overload on. I'm, I must eat this amount of carbs a day. I might must eat this da da da, and then everything becomes obsessive. Yeah. And if you don't get that right, then you start freaking out. Then you go back to square one. That is that is been my history with with um with my problem with exercise. You know, like because I've be, I've taken it to such extremes where I'm eating at the bleep of a watch from Tupperware that I've weighed and measured everything, and I'm training for a bodybuilding competition that isn't really there. Mm, you know, mm, and I'm mm. like, why am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I, it's and easily I, done. I've had to be pulled aside by my wife going, what the fuck are you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, it's easily you done. It's child's but, birthday but, and you're going off into the corner to eat from Tupperware <laughs> and you've got no reason to be doing that. But, you know? <laughs> but this this is yeah. this is part of your DNA, like what yeah. what, what you are, right? And, yeah. and, and, and it's about firstly understanding that and then secondly, going back to thinking like, why? It's, it's that reason that, that you need to look at and then look at things like some people, they do it because they want to look a certain way. Mm. And then you say, okay, why do you want to look a certain way? And they're because I, I want to. And then you go deep into, you know, their past and they have an issue with, you know, the way that they, they may look or, or, or they want to feel like they want to portray a certain physique about them. And it comes down to, you know, is there an ego there? Do you have an ego there? Is there something that you're trying to prove? And it's those things there that, you know, you try and look at. And then you have to think about as well, if that is the case, like, if you were to get there, what would that give you? What, 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 how would that make you happier inside? Even if you was to get to that place of where you want to be, yeah, yeah. how would that make you happier? Because you get there and then you want more. Absolutely. And then you want more. And yeah, then yeah. when does it ever stop? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I see so many of those clients that come to me and the first thing that I do ask them is, is some of those questions like, what is it that you want to achieve? Why do you want to achieve that? And then... yeah you know, t talking to them. I don't try and force anything on anyone. I give them food for thought. Yeah, yeah. Making them just think, oh, maybe he is right. Like, maybe that is the case. And having a balance on it. And if there are issues, because we all have these things that come up, you know, you might be into a training program and start understanding I'm really into this and then being like, shit, I feel like this is going to take over me. Like, I feel mm. like this is going to be the case. But if you don't open your mouth or tell someone, it just keeps on happening, happening. So it's about communication and being open, being yeah. honest, being honest with yourself and not living a lie is so important. 
Yeah. You know, and being free and having that liberty because, you know, whether you, you know, have, you know, that issue where, you know, get to that addictive stage or me, you know, overworking or whatever, we all are human. None of us are perfect. There is no perfect being on this earth. So anyone that thinks that I'm going to create this picture to become perfect, that is a fallacy because none of us are. All of us have issues. All of us are going through problems. But it's about how we deal with them, how we think about them and how we try to, you know, help each other is what counts. Yeah. You know, us talking together and talking about these things, you know, people can listen and you have, you know, things that you've gone through. I've gone things through. I've gone through. None of us are perfect, but we are trying to be better. And yeah. that's the key thing. Something else I want to talk to you about is fatherhood, you know, because, I mean, I've heard you talk about not having role models around when you were a kid, right? And I had a very similar time and I became a dad and I didn't really know what that was, you know, or what I wanted to do, but I knew what I wanted not to do. Mm -hmm. and I knew what I wanted not to be. And that enforced the way I became a father. And I'm kind of constantly trying. I think that's my biggest thing that I'm constantly trying to get better at. One thing that I found with my kids is that it's not what I say, it's what I do. You know, like I can say shit to them all the time. It doesn't matter. But if they see me doing something, they copy it. Yeah, they yeah. want to do it. You know, I've seen you working out with your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I had the same thing in my son. My son wanted um, a SIM card for his phone, right? He's got a phone. He didn't have a SIM card in it. He just yeah, used it for games yeah, and yeah. stuff, right? But he was going away for a camp with the school. And, um, and he wanted to have a SIM card because he wanted to uh, message and yeah, yeah, yeah. contact us. And I was like, I don't know whether this is good parenting, by the way. Listen, there's, no, like, there's, no, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, right, okay, I will get you a SIM card, but you got to do something to get the SIM card. And I was like, I want you to be able to do two pull-ups. Because he, he, he was doing pull-ups with a band, you know, and kind of doing those kind of things and like mm -hmm. was in the gym with me occasionally. I was like, if you can do, we've got four months, you know, I want you to do two dead hang pull-ups. It's achievable. You know, we'll, we'll work on negatives, we'll do this yeah. stuff, you know. And he was adamant. It's hard. If you've never done a pull-up before, yeah, it's you're, tough. You're, it's ten, tough. you're 10 years old, you know, it was really hard, you know. And I was getting really scared because it was like three weeks away and he was on one and the second <laughs> one was only like a quarter of the way up. I was like, no! You know, I was I really wanted to should get I, in this thing. He was like, should I, should I just be like, A for effort, I'll give yeah, it to exactly, you. <laughs> exactly, you don't know what to do. But eventually, two days before he went away, he cracked out two pull-ups. Wow. And the, and the, like, he broke down in tears, right? Oh, and we had amazing. this, the most incredible father-son moment. I was crying, you know, yeah. with him. And he was so happy because he'd, he'd done something that was physically really hard amazing. to get something he wanted to do. And it wasn't really about a SIM card in the end. It was about him doing it. And he was so, it was such a joyous moment between the two of us, you know. And um, I find that's something which I love about, being a father you know it's, it's kind of like they see you do something and they see what it gives you you know so do you notice that with your kids you yeah, know, yeah, yeah not you having... know 100 that's yeah. that's such a great story by the way you know because i feel like it's so easy being a parent and just like you know hand in gift in hand in there you go here you go yeah, there yeah. you go you know because you feel like especially for me like when you know i grew up and didn't have anything so for me i want to give my kids everything but then i have to Absolutely, stop that yeah. and be like no you need to understand what hard work means or doing you know yeah. good things to enable yourself to to get that so that story there just shows as well what's amazing is that he had the discipline to work yeah, yeah. to get it over that months the, the yeah. four months time to yeah, be yeah. able to try and get it yeah and the reward i feel like he'll understand now 
you know, if I want something, I need to work hard to get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's an amazing sort of like story to have. Yeah. But yeah, for my kids, for sure, you know, and, and being a, a father for me, do you know what's crazy? I still don't know my dad. I don't know who my dad is. Yeah. You know, my my mum came to, you know, the UK, had my sister, and my sister didn't know her dad either. But on her 21st birthday, he called the house, and I remember answering, and he was like, hey, is your sister there? And I was like, who's this? And he was like, it's, it's her dad. Wow. And I was like, all right. And I called her. I was like, you know, your dad's on the phone. And she'd never she'd never spoken to him? she never really wow. interacted. And, but I, what I thought was, you're my dad. Why don't you want to talk to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why didn't you say, it's your dad? Like, it's, it's you know, your dad. Like, and I was like, huh? That was the first question. And then anyway, I found out maybe like about four years ago, my mum said basically, her dad isn't your dad. Right. She's only your half-sister. Like, you have a different dad. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, who's my dad? And she was like, I don't know where he is. Mm. And so I really didn't have no, you know, father figure at all. Yeah. I remember having, having like, uh, my mum's boyfriend that came in for maybe, like, about, could be a year. And I remember when he left, feeling, I remember, like, looking out the window and seeing him, like, walk away. Yeah, yeah. I remember he turned around and he looked at me, like, he waved. And I remember I just that just broke me down. I was just like crying yeah yeah you know, and I was just like so sad and so I had that growing up in terms of like not having that real father figure but certain people coming in and out so you know that was the case and I remember just feeling I'm never gonna let that happen to any of my kids yeah I want to be a father to my kids mm. and I want to be there I do not want that to ever happen yeah, yeah and so you know being a father you know and I've got you know three beautiful kids and I'm so grateful for them and it's taught me so much and it gives a different fulfillment. When I've got friends that are starting to have like their first babies, like I tell them, listen, man, like having a kid, especially for me, having a, the first kid was, was a girl. I really mm. needed her to, to be there. I try and explain like it gives you this different purpose and this different love that nothing in life yeah, can bring you. And yeah. it's the hardest thing to describe. And I remember talking to a friend and he was like, I, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I could tell he didn't really get it. Yeah, yeah. And when he had his daughter, he came back to me and he was like, bro, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I didn't get it before. And it gives this different purpose of life of, you know, makes you think about things differently. makes you treat your life differently and the way that you do things and the choices that you make so differently too. Yeah, man. Tyrone. Thank you so much for coming on, man. No, man. Love, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing to chat to you. Oh, you I love too. how open you've been. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank I'm you. I'm going to link to everything. We need to find out more about you. People are going to want to check you out. So um, I really appreciate it. Have a fucking amazing day, mate. Thank you, man. I appreciate best, it. Brother. Thank you. Many thanks to Tyrone there for speaking to me. He's a bundle of energy, that guy. Like, he's really intensely serious, but also, like, has this kind of joy about him and kind of inner kind of serenity which I find really fucking intoxicating he's a really cool guy um, I love how much passion he has for yoga as well I've always um, been interested in yoga but I'm a bit shit at it so it's, uh, it's always one of those embarrassing things you go to a class and fall over the whole time so um, maybe I need to take that embarrassment and run with it a little bit and just go for it what do you think shall we try yoga yeah why not you can find links to his personal training and yoga sessions in our episode description. And remember, if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's episode or any of the episodes in this series, there are links to guidance, advice and organisations that can help you in our descriptions as well. I'll be back next week. See you then.